my wonderful humans, and welcome back to another episode of Natter the Zillennial Podcast. My name is Natalie. I am your host, and I am joined today by somebody who's very smart, and I hope you've got your business brains on, because we're talking with Joselito II de Los Angeles. Hello. Hi, everyone. Good morning, I guess, at least for our time. It's 930 for us here. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is super exciting. I don't get to... Uh... I don't get to do this a lot. And so I always find this medium super exciting. I'm glad to hear. Awesome. Um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and what we will be talking about today? Yeah. So, well, Natalie and I know each other from music school. Um, mm -hmm. That's how we met. And um, so basically, I guess like I'm a musician. I'm also a photographer and videographer. Um, and it's just like, it's been really interesting to navigate through life, I guess, as an mm -hmm. artist um, through the pandemic. So I kind of like, I kind of want to talk about that. And I also kind of want to just talk about like, being an artist in business and stuff. And like, you know, all the things us musicians slash artists are scared to talk about, like, ooh, money, what, what even is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I only know exposure bugs. So that's so true. And I want to tell, okay, fun story. So um, everybody knows I moved from Saskatchewan to Edmonton for school. And you are the first person that I met from school who wasn't like standing in line next to me waiting to get our student IDs or something. So this story is really funny to me. I don't know if you remember it this way. But so I, I moved to Edmonton say goodbye to my mom and brother the next day, um, go to orientation do the whole day, see a bunch of people, remember nobody because there's too many faces. And then the next day I'm riding the bus to school. There's like practically an empty bus. It's super friggin' early in the morning. And this dude sits down next to me. And I'm like, <laughs> mentally, like inside my head, I'm like, well, excuse you, sir. There are tons of empty seats on this bus. <laughs> I'm low-key like freaking out. Like this is my second time ever riding a city bus. Like we don't really use them back home because it's like a driving city, you know, and it's too small to have a super good bus route. So yeah, the bus was new to me at this dude sitting next to me. And I'm like, I'm new to the big city. I don't know. Like, can I tell him to leave? Like what's going on? And then I see him open up his backpack and there's a piece of McEwen manuscript paper. And I was like, Oh, you're a musician. You probably saw me at school. It's like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and and then we started talking after that because I'm like, oh shit, you go to McEwen, and you're like, yeah, I saw you at orientation. I was like, okay, okay, that was a good like 20 seconds of freaking out, but <laughs> it yeah. all turned out okay. I'm I'm sorry that you potentially thought you were gonna get murdered for a second there, like on public transportation <laughs> in the morning, but <laughs> in I broad daylight. I just wanted to make a friend and I was like, hey, why do I recognize this person? So I'm like, hmm, let's test this out. If she says anything about this piece of paper, then I am thinking about the right person. If not, I'm just going to get off the next stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. it worked out pretty well because you were like the first person that I actually connected with. Because like I said, in orientation, you meet so many people. But because we yeah. were on the bus together, we actually talked. And then you took me around and like showed me a bunch of Edmonton and that was sick. So thank you. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I guess I hadn't even realized that you were new to town. So 
No. Yeah. No, it, it wasn't so much that you were sitting next to me. I was just like, what's the etiquette here? I, I don't know. Is this like a thing that mm. normally happens? I, I had no idea, but okay. Oh, no. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny story aside, thank you for being my friend and let's move into the interview. Um, okay. First things first, how did you get your start in um, being serious in the arts? I suppose becoming a musician. Oh God. Well, okay. So like, I'm Asian, and I'm sure that a lot of Asian people that are going to hear this are going to relate. I didn't want to mm -hmm. be in music, but I was forced into piano lessons, right? right. Um, I freaking hated it. <laughs> and just like, I feel like most kids like, I don't know, like if you don't have really have an interest in it, like why are you going to work hard in it? You're just going to mm -hmm. be lazy and then every week you're going to look for new excuses to like avoid lessons and like oh i'm not really feeling good today but as soon as you get to stay home you're like feeling great and stuff yep. and like yeah it, it was kind of a lot of that growing up i think it was um this is funny because um the movie itself is really bad um books are probably bad too i i've only read the first one but twilight um okay there was a song in the soundtrack it wasn't even part of like I think it was just like rumored to have made the soundtrack um, and it wasn't actually part of the official soundtrack, but it was River oh. Flows In You by a Korean artist. And like everyone knows the song um, on piano. And it's it's almost like at the point where you like gag when you hear it because it's so yeah. common. But that was like one of the first songs where I was like, wow, I actually really want to try and I want to learn this. And like I printed off the sheet music and I remember learning it and like, I don't know, a week. And to me, that wow. was like super fast. Like as like, um, I don't know, a nine year old kid. And I was like, hey, this is like kind of fun. And then like, I guess going through music school, I was like, wow, I really have no skills except for music. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, it was it was a serious interest. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, my parents actually they actually supported me going to school for music, um, which I think might be less relatable on the Asian side, but like, <laughs> I'm, that's wonderful. I'm, yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of grateful that it worked out that way. Cause I'm not really sure what I would have done otherwise, but I guess like I started getting seriously into it in, around like high school. Mm -hmm. So totally. I relate to that. My, the first song I got super into was killer queen by queen. I think I was in grade eight. So I was a little bit older. I was 14, but I was like, God damn it. If I can like the one thing I need to do in my life is learn how to play the song. And after that, I was like, oh yeah, lessons are fun. Yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. takes like one song. We're like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, yeah. I, I think um, for anybody having that supportive environment, as an artist is kind of extremely important because as we're going to talk about, like there are so many different routes you can take in the arts, but as a young person, you need to have that support to get into any of it. So yeah. And I'm glad you came to school and we met. And when did you start that transition into um, starting your own business ventures with music, with art? How did that come about? So I think um second year i was starting to like think ahead because i was beginning to realize that i wasn't 
amongst like the elite musicians in school mm -hmm. and to be fair there's a lot of really good musicians in edmonton there are like yeah. some serious world-class musicians here right and mm -hmm. i have 10 years of classical background um which is gone now <laughs> thanks to jazz school <laughs> and then so like coming to jazz school was like relearning everything and i i just like i realized like oh it totally makes sense that i'm not like really adept at this language of jazz because i just mm -hmm. started it so i was thinking like pop was kind of like the perfect balance for me and i really like doing pop gigs and stuff and then i was thinking like you know um i'm starting to get gigs why don't i create a platform to make myself look legit and then mm -hmm. i was kind of thinking of like this would be nice because I don't really care to have my name on things. I would rather have like an umbrella. And then the nice thing is like um, other people could represent me. I could hire other people, even other pianists. Like if I can't go to a gig, I just ask, ask XYZ. And then mm. I take a tiny bit and they make the rest. Right. And then I was like, yeah. hey, this might be kind of a cool way to... Um, build a platform where I can help myself, first of all. And the goal is to be so busy that I, I just help other people. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of grown into this thing. And like, I love it. Cause like I arrange for strings and stuff and like some horns and like, I kind of just really like booking stuff. Like whenever mm -hmm. I just have to book like my strings or whatever, like, yeah, it's really nice that I don't have to learn anything. I just, <laughs> I'm just like, Hey, can you make this thing? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, cool. Here's some money. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks. So like, I don't know. It's really chill for me. And like, I like doing it because we'll probably get into this a little bit more. Um, but like, you know, finding your footing with doing gigs and like, mm -hmm. you have to like, go through people that are going to take advantage of you people that are going to like stretch you thin and like people that don't see your value right like mm -hmm. me as an artist i know exactly what that's like and i'm kind of tired of it and i would also like to eliminate that process for other musicians so it's yeah. like um don't worry fam i got you these guys are annoying <laughs> but if they're going to be annoying they're at least gonna you're gonna pay me if you want to annoy me right like yeah right make it worth your while exactly right and it's it's mm -hmm. way easier now for me to like say no because all of a sudden i have someone else that i'm thinking about like the people i work with are my friends right mm -hmm. i don't want to annoy them so if i know someone that's going to be really annoying i'm just like no 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 it's not worth my time it's definitely not worth this person's time like i will just filter that out for you like this guy's trash <laughs> so like yeah that's, that's a really good point um it's not like this in a lot of industries where your friends are your co-workers and your professors are your co-workers and they can also be your friends and like the relationships within the arts community are very personal even when they are strictly business yeah and that might be that might be interesting to talk about too because like there's just so much to talk about here and like I'm, I'm just kind of excited to talk about it as a whole because like it can kind of go anywhere right yeah but yeah like, it really can yeah like you were saying it's so it's so personal and it's just like 
what's the fine line here and even like your clients too like if you get regular clients they kind of become your friends and like mm -hmm. um what yeah, are our boundaries spend, yeah you can't spend like 12 hours um recording with somebody or practicing with someone and not have some kind of connection with them yeah otherwise you have no heart yeah and or you're soul stuck and you're like, your cold robot that nobody wants to hire. Yeah, exactly. When you first started out with all of this, were you, was there any kind of shocking moment where you're like, oh God, I'm not equipped to deal with, I don't know, maybe money or dealing with negotiations or something like that? Um, you know what? I'm sort of more dealing with that now than mm -hmm. I was at first because when I first started the business, I, like I'm still naive. I'm still mm -hmm. a baby. And I still don't know anything. But like when I first started, I really didn't know anything, right? And like, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of just guessing. I was like, yeah, I guess it'll cost this much. Like, I guess it'll take me this long. Right? Like, obviously, I didn't say that to the client. Like, yeah, oh, this guy's an idiot. Like, don't hire him. <laughs> but it's just like, it, it was kind of just like figuring out how to do the job. And then like, the more I go through it, it's kind of figure out other aspects around the job. Like, right. Obviously, if you're going to hire me to play piano, I know how to play piano. But now it's like figuring out, for example, through the pandemic, like now how do I route my gear so that it looks good through a webcam and the audience can hear you? Or um, how am I supposed to account for my time? Like, what is this costing me per hour? Like, what is this costing me when I'm not at the gig? Like what kind mm -hmm. of opportunities is it taking away? Right? Like it's, it's beginning to branch out and you're beginning to think of like beyond plan B and beyond plan C and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So totally, I guess like when you start thinking of like bigger jobs, that's when you're like, Oh crap. Um, I guess I can't really do that right now, but if I do this and this, then I can do that. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. you kind of have to grow with the things that come at you. Right. So I think it ended up working out okay. And I've always found that like, doing things that I wasn't ready for was always the best way for me to learn. Um, and I think that's still holding true today. Like there are still lots of gigs and still lots of things that I don't know how to do. But I'm willing to give it a shot. And I'm willing to give my best shot at it. Because I know I'll learn something and the next time I'll be even better at it. Right. So. Right. You won't be second guessing those logistical things. You'll just know, okay, well I need at least, uh, at least 50 foot cable for this gig. And yeah, you could just move on and not have to waste your energy on that anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's like when you're first starting recording, you're like, Hmm, where would I place this mic? And then yeah. it's like, Hmm, how does this thing sit in the mix? Hmm. How do I master this? Hmm. How do I distribute this? Hmm, how is this going to be perceived to my audience and how is it going to affect the rest of my life and my history, right? It's like <laughs> kind of branching out in big circles around you. It does. Yeah, honestly, the thoughts that goes through everybody's head before they put something out, like, oh, shit, people are going to hear this. People are going to see this. Oh, no. Yeah, and it's crazy, too, because, like, the more you grow, the more, like, unhappy you become with, like, past works. And you're like, yeah. ugh. But like, I guess it's got to stay in my portfolio because like, <laughs> otherwise I'll have nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cons of being a young person starting yeah. out. So um, when you started out, because you've been under a few different umbrellas, I guess, um, 
Uh, the first time I became aware of you doing managerial business stuff was when you started the nines. Do you want yeah. to explain what that is to our listeners? Yeah. So the nines is my cover band. Um, if you're wondering, yes, we normally play with the nine people, but that is a coincidence. <laughs> that is not why we're called the nines. We're called the nines because the idea was we wanted to be a, a high energy band right like we wanted to be mm -hmm. a crazy party band with a professional look to us so okay. we want to be a band that you can get drunk to but also like <laughs> you kind of trust coming in like you know we're gonna take our job seriously like we're not gonna drink on the job but we're gonna make sure you drink on the job and yeah. we're gonna make sure your feet really hurt and obviously if you can remember how the night went and like remember how we sounded like that's awesome but it's even better if you don't remember because then it's like <laughs> you had a good time right so yeah yeah that that band was kind of just like my love for pop and i was like hmm i would like to do covers and then like it kind of became this big thing where there's at least nine of us we have a horn section and like we spend a lot of time like patching sounds and making it sound really close to the record as as close as humanly possible right and it's just mm -hmm. like a lot of fun like when you see us like we're the band you see at like new year's we're the band you see at your wedding um we're the band when you just want to get drunk and like just want to <laughs> relax right you want to go to the rec room and just dance yeah exactly and like to me that's so much fun like when i see people dancing and having a good time that makes me know that we did our job like above yeah. anything else right because you can actually see them in front of you and you're like i guess your performance evaluation is right in front of you yeah you can tell if people are digging it or not yeah yeah exactly right and mm -hmm. and like if people aren't dancing it's your job to get them out if people aren't drinking it's your job to incentivize it right right so yeah that's like that's like our party band um get crunk <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good that'll be your new motto um <laughs> oh yeah so logistically because i know i am now well versed in how to do all of the logistic crap that comes with recording getting clients doing that kind of shit but when it comes to putting a band together you are paying a large number of people you're trying to set schedules how did you um like did you have any experience setting up larger scale things like that before or was that the first time you did it oh jesus no that was my first time doing that and like i think <laughs> of the original members of the nines i think there's including me there's three of us that are original members um no sorry there's four of us that are original members um and everyone else is new and it's like i made so many mistakes and i'm willing to admit that and like a lot of stuff was my fault and like a lot of stuff was just because i just didn't know how to approach it and like you know you gotta take into account everyone's schedules you gotta make sure everyone's paid fairly you gotta make sure that um you know everyone's being treated fairly and everyone feels like they have a say and you also while being fair to everyone you also have to make the last call and sometimes it's mm -hmm. just gonna not sit well with some people right but I feel like if you make sure everyone was heard and you communicate properly, it will be okay. Um, you know, and, and we haven't done like 
we haven't done a free gig in a long time mm-hmm. um, because like I'm not willing to put them through that. But if I if I told them, if I was like, hey, I actually think there's a cool opportunity here. What do you guys think about it? If if even one person is uncomfortable, we just won't do it. And that's okay with me. Um, I'm okay to not do it if you're okay to not do it, right? Or if you're not okay to do it, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's tough. Even like performing, like how are you going to fit nine people at a stage? And that's not even us at our biggest. Like the most we've had is 12 people um, mm-hmm. at once, right? And that's, yeah, that's a lot of people. I think that's four or five horn players, two keyboard players, bass guitar, drummer, and two singers. So we're an enormous band. Yeah. Um, So like there's plenty of things to think about. Most stages in Edmonton can barely fit my four piece. So yeah, yeah. You're basically like, we like... (laughs) To think of like how big we are, it's illegal to have us play because there's just so many of us and yeah. our band. Yeah, it's a lot to think about. Jeez. It feels like it would be a lot of pressure. Yes, it it really is because especially like when you're the leader, um, I take all the credit for things that go right, but I also have to take responsibility for all the things that go wrong. Um. And there are a lot of people that have something to say. Each one has their own opinion, their own experiences, and they're all valuable. Um, and when you screw up, it's not a good feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've made enough mistakes to feel like um, I know how to tackle it way better the next time something were to happen. And I feel like the crew that we have now, we've all been together long enough um, that we know how to communicate properly and like, um they they also understand too like they don't really know what it's like to do what i'm doing but they understand what i do for them um Mm -hmm. and to me that's a big help um you know because i'm i'm willing to grind and i'm willing to work for free just to you know to kind of like get it off the ground and help them because it's it's not only a business, it's kind of a passion project for me, which I think is strange to say, because when I started like Apollo Entertainment and the Nines, like I wanted to, I wanted it to be like just business. Um, Mm -hmm. But I never really thought of it as being like a passion project, Um, which I guess is good because, you know, I'm, I'm going to work hard for it. Right. And um, yeah, you won't feel like you're working as much. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you want people to see that as well. So yeah, I guess, there, there can be a lot of pressure, um, especially when it comes to negotiating with clients. And <laughs> it's hard doing that just for yourself, right? If like right. someone were to ask you, what would you charge? And you're, and like, the truth is, is most of the time it depends. Um, it's, it's part of why it's so hard to price things. Mm-hmm. Like I've, had gigs that paid me a lot to only play one song and gigs that didn't pay me very much. And I was there for freaking three hours and I didn't get a break. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. there's, there's so many different variables and there's so many different types of clients and stuff. And like, when you add nine people, let alone 12 people, um, becomes a lot to think about. I remember our first gig with the nines, 
um there was only eight of us at the time and everyone got paid oh no 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 there was there was 10 of us and everyone got paid 80 bucks and like i was like wow this is so good <laughs> i'm getting paid 80 dollars and like freaking, yeah i know the rehearsals itself was just like we had to have like three or four rehearsals like two hours each and then oh, the actual gig right it's a lot of work you're like oh i yeah. made like four cents an hour right <laughs> and like obviously we don't do that now but like when i first started it i was like yeah that's super sick and then when you kind of learn like what what um how much more there is for you to have mm -hmm. that you might just not be taking um it becomes scary right um right so you have the, to go and get it yeah yeah one of the things that like i kind of want to touch upon i think is like confidence i feel like that is the number one thing that should be with you when you're negotiating because every time you say a new price that you haven't said before it's really scary and mm. it takes practice um i had to quote someone a month ago for the biggest gig i've ever quoted for and i actually practiced saying it in the mirror every day until my phone call with him and when wow. I said it, and when I said it, I actually like, you know, <laughs> I try and wake up early as much as I can. Um, mm -hmm. This day I woke up at like 5am. So I woke up extra early. Oh, God. I went for a walk. I had a coffee. I sat outside and got a breath of fresh air. And like, I felt really good when I said it. And he was like, oh, okay. Right. And mm -hmm. so like, it's just about being confident whether you're saying oh i'll charge you 20 bucks or i'm gonna charge you twenty thousand dollars right it's yeah it's the confidence behind your words because you know um it's it's scary putting yourself out there right yeah and the confidence in the product that you are offering to somebody as well being mm -hmm. able to back yourself up with it mm -hmm. and and like i find that like no matter how good you are it's still it's still scary like even if someone has seen your work it's still kind of scary saying something new because i think people fear like rejection a lot right it's like mm -hmm. oh it's not really good for our ego it's like oh it doesn't really feel good to you know hear a no it's like oh my life is over and stuff and like I have I've had to learn how to deal with that too and there are a lot of positive ways to deal with like rejection but like yeah I think with with going back to like the nines and like pressure at least for me with this band the most pressured thing for lack of a better term I guess is making sure that everyone gets paid fairly um because there's so yeah. many of us and because of a business I need to make sure that that runs too right like yeah I'm also charging more than the other bands because I I have overhead. Like, I'm sorry, but like I this is just what makes sense for me. This is how I'm gonna be able to pay my bills this month, and this is how my musicians are gonna pay their bills this month, right? Yeah. Because at this point, it's not a conversation that I have with musicians. Like, oh, how much do you think you should get paid? Like, I know what's fair to them, and I even 
I even overshoot it because I need my musicians to have confidence in me as well as my mm -hmm. own confidence in myself. Right. Right. Um, like it's really important to have all the support that you can get. So, yeah. So it's a passion project, but like you said, it is paying the bills. It's still a business. It still has to be fair and it still has to run properly. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think money is scary to talk about? I do because we are from a young, 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 young age taught to not talk about it. And even going to music school, they like we have our business of music, music career management class, but like they don't really tell you they're like, you should be getting at least this much, but they don't tell you how to properly negotiate, how to actually talk to somebody about rates, how to talk about um, money in certain situations where maybe the client doesn't have that much to pay, but you still need to get what's fair. Like, how do you go about doing that? We're never told how to do those things. And I personally am not confident with it. Yeah. And that's, that's fair. Money is a scary thing to talk about. And there's, I don't think there should be any shame admitting that like, you know, you grow up, you have dreams of being an artist and you practice your instrument or your respective craft. Um, and you focus on being the best that you can, right? And then when right. you're ready to put yourself out in the world, you realize that there are other things beyond what you've been doing that you haven't been taught. And it's yeah. also hard to teach. And so when you're out there, it's scary. You have like, you don't really know what your footing is and you don't even know how to start. And sometimes even prices that are super low that like is not enough to even pay you really um like the, a gig that you might even be losing money on would sound great to you because you just have no idea right yeah um i'll share a couple things that i've learned especially over like the past year um sure i guess just like over the past couple years because like i learned a, a lot about it in in, in not in school, but while I was in school, if that yeah. makes sense. As a student. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I feel like I was okay to put my foot forward and to try as many risky things as I could because I was a student. And if I was mm -hmm. going to fail anywhere, I think it was okay to fail in school. Um, not even academically, but even academically, right? Like if right. I was going to fail in something, I'd rather fall flat on my face in school than in real life because I know I will fall flat on my face in real life, but anything I can do to make sure that I get up a little faster when I'm out there in the real world, um, right. you know, you're, you're better preparing yourself. And like second year when I started realizing, Oh, I'm not one of the best. Like, I feel like I'm good, but I'm not one of the best and that's okay. Um, let's try something different and like, you know, negotiating and stuff. Um, it, it's scary. So like the first thing is like determining what your time is worth. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's just like price. If, if this were a salary job, you know what, maybe I'll even take a step back. Like to determine your price, you kind of have to determine like what your goals are. Right. Right. Like, do you want to do music full time? Do you want to do it part time? Do you even want to just do it as a hobby? Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you know some people just seriously want to learn and keep it as a hobby and that's totally cool right so like i guess figuring out what your goals are like if you want to be a superstar what do you have to do to get there <laughs> if you want to pay your rent this month and it's a thousand dollars what do you have to do to get there taking things step by step you know is a really good way for you to see where you should you know take your first step it's like i if i did 10 gigs at a hundred dollars i'd make rent mm -hmm. okay if i did five gigs at two hundred dollars i'd make rent right mm -hmm. now when you're booking more gigs i'm getting a little busier now if i do five gigs at three hundred dollars i'll make rent and it'll be worth my time because i'm getting busier right mm -hmm. that's just how to determine your time on your own right and the biggest reason like clients go well why are you charging this much when you tell them your price is because they just don't know right like right. sometimes it's not them taking advantage they just genuinely don't know right and if you don't mm -hmm. if you don't even know like how are you going to tell them well i pulled this 600 amount out of my ass like <laughs> please hire me question mark right and like and and sometimes that's that's what it is like mm -hmm. i've done that and i've gotten lucky and i'm like hmm okay maybe i should figure out a better way to say this the next time <laughs> right but it was then like when i actually did the gigs and i'm like oh wait i'm actually spending this much time prepping i'm spending this much time at the gig I should be charging this much more, right? Right. Um, so determining what your worth is on your own time. The other thing, and I'd argue the more important thing, is value. Mm -hmm. What are you give? What are you giving to the other person? If music is a business, what problems are you solving, right? Because yeah. that's what a business is. You shouldn't go to business because you want to make money like yeah that's a reason but you should go into business because you want to solve someone's issue so mm. what are the problems that you would like to solve like for me like at a wedding when i'm at a wedding what problems am i solving well how are your guests going to have a good time and how are you going to make it different than another wedding, right? Like, mm -hmm. how do you want to enhance your experience? Or if it's a client, okay, um, what is my value to you, to your restaurant? How much money do you need to make to break even? Mm -hmm. What do you want to deliver to your clients? And like, what kind of experience do you want to give them, right? Right. Value is way more important because if you think about it, now both parties are making the most out of your price. Mm -hmm. Because if you tell a restaurant, hey, um, I charge a thousand bucks, it's just two musicians, you'll get us for two hours, we need a 15 minute break. Um, and if you could supply us with a meal at the end, that would be awesome. And the restaurant's like, well, why? why are you a thousand dollars that's so expensive right mm -hmm. and you know people are going to be harsh like no screw that like you guys are not worth a thousand dollars so you kind of have to 
you know, it's best not to get defensive and it's best to educate, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, why do you even want us in the first place? Okay, well, I run an Italian restaurant and I'd like to make sure that, you know, the folks here have an authentic experience. So if I hire someone on the accordion um, and another instrument, right? It's like, okay, mm -hmm. you want to give them a really good experience. What if I brought this many people in for you, right? Mm -hmm. um, if I brought in people that made you $2,000 and it only cost us, it only cost you $1,000, um, to have us on, like, don't you want to see that two times increase? Like, yeah, don't spend major time on minor things. If they're not willing to pay you, then it's not actually worth either of your guys' time. Because like, why am I here? I'm not solving any issues with you. And in fact, I would recommend that you don't hire anyone else because you don't even see it as valuable. Yeah, but, what's the point in doing that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. And that's kind of the best way for you to tell someone why they need you. Mm -hmm. You just need them to say it. It's like, well, why did you reach out to me? Like, I, I don't have to do this gig, you know? Mm -hmm. if, uh, if it's Sunday today and you give me a call today, if you didn't give me a call today... I still would have made Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday work because I'm going to live my life, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need okay. this. And apparently you don't either, right? So if you can show your value, if you can be like, okay, well, what if I bring in this many people? Or what if instead um, we work for this long or we do a trial or, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's like... There's a lot of different ways you can do it. And that's sort of why it's hard to tell people like what you're worth, because right. I don't actually know what you're worth, but I might know what you're doing is worth and mm. who you're doing it for is worth. I have a question for you. Do you think it's ethical to charge two people two different prices for the same job? I mean, yeah, if Jeff Bezos is hiring a band, I would definitely be charging him more. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's, there's different things for them to get value out of, right? Like if you're doing a gig for Jeff Bezos, chances are he's hosting a huge party. Chances and he wants everything to be perfect. Exactly. Versus, versus the backwoods wedding that literally wants the band to get drunk along with him. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, 100%. Each, each one is going to hold value differently. And that's why sometimes logo designers will charge $500 for one person and $10,000 for the next person or even $100,000, right? Like as mm -hmm. crazy as that is, it's, it's strange because... As a musician, I find that it's an art form that's very personal, right? Like we were yeah, saying with our coworkers, um, the singer's my friend, the drummer's my friend, the guitarist is my best friend, right? But even the mm -hmm. clients, they're seeing you face to face. It's not like you have an assistant and they're trying their best to reach out to you. Maybe if mm -hmm. you're doing really well, like if you're freaking Bruno Mars or something and you yeah. want to get booked. But it's personal for these people too, right? So mm -hmm. it's really hard because you want to be seen in a different light. It's like the friend zone for business. It's like, <laughs> well, 
it's okay if you don't if you don't actually want to pay me for what i'm doing that's fine i understand i would rather just not work if that's cool Mm -hmm. with you you know so finding what you're worth just on like a statistical level like what your time is worth and how much it's costing you versus what the value is for both you and the client because Mm -hmm. okay i have i actually have questions for you sure fire away what is your opinion on free gigs like for a musician to be doing i again it totally depends yes you're right is it like percent if it's a charity fundraiser thing, I'm not going to be expected to be paid $500 for a single song because mm-hmm. it's for, you know, kids at the children's hospital. Like I'm not going to be charging nearly as much as I would for a professional wedding that needs to be perfect. Cause I don't want to ruin somebody's big day. Like they are different things and you're putting different amount of times in behind the scenes for it. Yeah. And it's, it's going to carry different value to you, right? Like mm-hmm. if you think about it, sometimes you're the client too, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're the ones that want you actually, right? So yeah. I to this day I will sometimes say yes to free gig because I know how to get the most out of a free gig more than some people know how to get out of a gig that paid them. Mhm. And what I mean by that is like, have you heard the three, like the three things to make a good music gig? Uh, probably, but never spelled out that way. Do enlighten me. <laughs> that's okay. I, I say four, but that's because I'm an idiot. And I, I, as, I always add this thing accidentally, but the three okay. is good pay, good people and music. You need at least two of those three things, right? Mm-hmm. I have a fourth one. It's good food. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> and I, for some reason, I always leave good people out of there and I just replace it with good food because <laughs> all of a sudden that makes it okay. <laughs> but it's like, true. For me personally, my personal philosophies, you need at least two of the four things. Or well, I mean, if you don't have things. to pay for supper that night, that's money in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. The only thing that you're paying for is maybe like the gas that you paid to get there. And hopefully like the gig is covering that. Right. Which you can also write off as a tax thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there might be some value for you to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, the things that I find most valuable for me personally is when I have more people that I didn't know before that I can maybe do something with in the future right Mm -hmm. because it's one thing to be making friends at gigs but it's another to be making relationships with because the truth is no matter what gig you're going to do you're going to make friends right like you were hired because the client likes you so you're going to make friends but it's not always guaranteed that you're going to make relationships um and if you know how to take advantage of that totally do it if you're doing a gig that like maybe it doesn't pay great or maybe it doesn't pay at all but it looks good for your resume then do it right and Mm -hmm. you only need to do it once um you only need to do it once you don't need to do it all the time or ever again if you never wanted to unless it was to pay you right Mm -hmm. so 
getting those things that are valuable to you. Because like I said, um, it's kind of scary to think like, oh, this gig's going to pay me $700, which sounds kind of nice for one night. But what if all of a sudden you're working 15 nights, right? Mm -hmm. um, you got to find out if like, first of all, if you have to put food on your table, you have to put food on your table, right? Yeah. Um, but that like when you divide that money over the amount of days you're working, it's not very much money, right? But right. are you going to meet someone new? Um, are you going to be playing in a place that you haven't played before? Are you going to learn something from it? Um, and lately for me, that's the most important thing. Am I going to learn something from it? Because yeah. I've done so much now where it's like, honestly, like if it's not stimulating me in a way that's going to enhance how I live or how I operate in the future, then it's just not worth it for me. Um, right. You know? And that's why, like, it's okay. It's okay to say um, no to gigs because, like, when you when you start doing these things and when you start getting tired of it, like, that's how people start burning out. Yeah, totally. When when you keep saying yes to things that aren't worth your time, mm -hmm. right? And then you're think, like, sorry, go ahead. I just I think you have so many good points in there, and one of them, like, not the not working for free thing. Of course, yeah, we don't want to undermine the value of any musician's worth every musician is worth being paid all the time but there are some instances where you have to look at it as what the smartest thing is for your business as a rock musician I'm never going to be paid the same amount as a jazz musician in the city ever unless I'm touring with another big band just because you know, rock shows don't bring in as much money. They just don't. Mm -hmm. So for me to join the musicians union would be shooting myself in the foot and never having another rock gig again mm -hmm. because I refuse to accept lower pay. For me, it is more of a passion thing than a putting um, food on the tables thing. But still, even if I wanted to become more serious with it, and I probably will and, you know, you know, post COVID and all that shit. I, I can't join the union and I can't ask for those higher wages. Mm -hmm. However, everybody else who deserves those wages, I definitely would tell them, yeah, like go do the odd fun gig here or there that's, you know, like free for your family or something. But like you also do deserve to be paid. But that's why I think payment really is so dependent on just what you're doing and who you're working with, because sometimes it just isn't possible to have everything completely even yeah. across the board. Yeah. Yeah. This is why for me, um, normally how I do things, if it's like someone that I don't know and they're just asking me what, what my price is, um, I tell you my price. If you don't like it, that's totally fine. I'm not offended. Um, I move on. If you book me, great. But if it's, if it's a passion project or if it's something different and I find value in it in other ways, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, then, then I kind of look the other ways. Like the first, the first thing is like when someone out of the blue talks to you, that's when your, your statistical side of like how much this costs me to do and how much money do I want to make off of it? That's mm -hmm. where that comes into play. But when it becomes a little bit more serious or a little more personal, that's when you start thinking of value. And, yeah. um, and a lot of like business, resources that I've um, discovered 
normally talk about value on the client side and basically like you have to get them to say why you're valuable because you can tell them you know you can tell them all you want about how valuable you think you are but it's not mm -hmm. going to matter unless they say it right but mm -hmm. a lot of those resources don't really talk about the value for ourselves right and yeah. honestly like how old are you nat i'm 22 people like us are so young we have so much time and there's just like you know we shouldn't have to worry about a lot and i get like life is different for everyone but you know we should be at a point where um you know we should be okay with saying no um but also like okay with saying yes as long as the value is there um and yeah. to just like keep learning and stuff like we don't have to have it all figured out and stuff. So we don't have the responsibilities of families to take care of. Maybe we have a rabbit or a dog or something, but like, yeah, it's not that serious yet. Man, if I had a rabbit, though, I'm gonna make sure that mofo eats. <laughs> my cousin me has my a rabbit. To eat. <laughs> I can't afford my, lettuce this month. <laughs> my cousin has a rabbit. She just throws parsley at it sometimes. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. It's pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to um, continue talking about this in a little bit after mm -hmm. you uh, talk about your experience with Apollo Entertainment. How did that come about? Yeah. Um, so second year, when I was starting to get more gigs, this was kind of the umbrella that I wanted to have, like Apollo Entertainment. Like I just needed a legit platform. Um, and it's kind of cool because... You know how I was saying, like, most musicians don't have an assistant, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it makes things really personal, and it kind of makes things hard to, like, negotiate sometimes, and it makes things hard to, like, you know, um, be real with them, like, on a business sense. It It's kind of cool because I, I made it so that, like, when you email the website, um, you don't actually know who you're talking to right mm -hmm. all you see is a bunch of different faces all you see is a bunch of people at gigs um a bunch of musicians playing and then it's like it's kind of like oh these guys are i guess these guys are pretty serious right so i i'm really glad that i did that um and like overall like i think my life is so much better and I think it was really cool for me to do that because I remember going to a gig one day and I was thinking like, man, why do booking agents exist? They suck. That's stupid. <laughs> like, like, let me, let me just find my own gigs. That's so dumb. And then <laughs> like Apollo is basically me booking things for other people. Yeah. Right. And so it's just like, oh yeah. Um, I guess that's what I'm doing. And like, it was cool for me to learn something new. So this summer, um, an example of why booking agents are important, I guess. This summer, someone was talking to me and they're like, hey, how much is it to hire the nines? Um, and like, we haven't had work in a long time because it's, uh, it's it's a pandemic and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, at this point of the year, it wasn't like, COVID wasn't that bad. And, you know, we made sure to follow all of our protocols and stuff. And I was like, 
Um, we charge normally this much, but it looks like your event's not super long. Um, if you want us, what if we did 1400 bucks for one set? That's it. Because they were providing sound. They were mm. providing all the equipment. They were providing the stage. And I'm like, okay, this is more of a fun gig for us, right? He's like, yeah. mm, you know what? I was honestly thinking not that high. Can you go any lower? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I was just like, no, that's cool. And then you know, I was like, you know what? Well, why don't I find someone for you that's in your budget? Mm -hmm. And a lot of musicians don't have work, right? Right. I was sort of thinking, I, I had to guess what his budget was like, probably like $5, right? right? And I was thinking, well, if I was willing to charge $1,400, what if I found a band that was much smaller? I charged them, I charged $700 just to book this band. Mm -hmm. um, and we call it a day, right? It's much lower, but it's also giving some other friends a different opportunity and stuff. And I was like, Oh, you know, I have XYZ. These guys are really great. I super trust them. They're all $700, though. I didn't even ask any of my friends what their prices were. I just asked if they were free. Because, mm -hmm. you know, because like that's that's how I do it. Yeah. Um, whatever you tell me you're worth, I'm just going to add on to it so that you can have more and I can take some. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, these guys are 700 He's like, oh, honestly, I was thinking... My budget's closer to 400 and i'm like oh man that's too bad like sorry these guys are really great but you know it's just like it's pandemic and stuff it's not it's not really worth our time to be risking our lives out there and stuff yeah and hazard like, pay yeah exactly i'm like i'm not gonna freaking work for peanuts yeah um like 1400 is not even that high honestly um i'm like i feel like i'm not even being that unreasonable like no we were definitely there, not <laughs> like one says like 45 minutes so i was like okay fine whatever it's a fun gig and he was just like well can you do it for this much and i'm like no no i can't you know what this was funny because i didn't even like this wasn't even something i told him like why we were valuable because obviously like if he wants to book us he kept coming back to us and i was trying to help him and i was trying to yeah. help other people and he's like okay fine I'll book you for 1400 I can give you 700 right now. Is that okay? And I'm like, cool. Um, I actually already told my band that we couldn't do it. So um, <laughs> you better hope that we're free. Yeah. And like, it was just really funny. Like, you know, it's, it's okay to say no, because sometimes things like that happen. And if you, if you just say yes right away and you always do that, how can you expect to grow out of like what you're doing right like i took mm -hmm. his budget from 400 and i brought it up a thousand bucks right to be yeah. fair it wasn't even that much it wasn't even that much but like to me i got great satisfaction that i could do that for something else so i've learned how to do things like that for apollo mm -hmm. um and it's really nice now to have the trust of my friends because now they know like I'm not going to pay them less than X amount for X amount of hours because um, we've done it together for so long and I kind of have my foot in the door in the scene and I kind mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm better aware of what's going on and stuff. And like, yeah, I don't know. I guess like for Apollo Entertainment, like that was the biggest thing for me is like 
like i'm sorry i keep going back to it but it's no like conf confidence and like negotiating yeah. so i don't know that's not why i started it i just started it because like i felt like it would be cool to have a different platform other than you know my name and maybe yeah. it would help other people and it has been so i guess you could say i've been getting what i wanted out of it that's good you're reaching your mission statement which i guess is why businesses have mission statements they know what their values are and they're trying to show their value to others too so it all comes together yeah and that concludes part one of my interview with Joselito. please tune in next week for part two have yourselves a good week